Greetings and salutations, all you sportsmen and women out there and conservationists across New York State and the Fruited Plain. Welcome back to another episode of We Love Outdoors with Rich Davenport. I am your humble host, Rich Davenport, coming to you from sunny Tandawanda, New York. That's right, sportsmen and women, welcome back to another episode of We Love Outdoors with Rich Davenport. I am your humble host, Rich Davenport, coming to you on Anchor.fm, powered by Spotify. You can get this podcast on Spotify and Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Beacon, Free Radio, Pocket Casts, and of course, Anchor.fm. Hey, please help support this podcast, folks. Please donate to the cause. $2 a month, $5 a month, whatever you can afford. You can do it right through the show's website. It helps me push back on the propaganda in the news while providing conservation news and commentary along with sound science and conservation principles. And as always, you know, the commentary on this show and the opinion on this show is mine and mine alone, as is the case. It is my show after all. It doesn't necessarily reflect any official positions of the organizations I may be a part of. However, if it is an official position, I'm going to let you know about it. So please spread the word, folks. We are growing by leaps and bounds, and uh, we've got a lot to cover today. You know, I hope everybody had a great weekend. Uh, This past Saturday, the 20th anniversary of 9-11, a very somber occasion indeed, uh, marked by uh, the remembrances of who fell during that time, the first responders, the victims in the Trade Center, and, uh, you know, at the Pentagon and and, uh, in that field in Pennsylvania from Flight 93. Uh, It's amazing that it's been 20 years already, and uh, it's also even more amazing that we have a lot of people that seem to have forgotten or have never been taught what happened during that time. but, uh, you know, that's that's something that, uh, you know, we remember as a, one of the darkest days in the history of our nation, but after which we came together as a nation like we never have before, probably since World War II in Pearl Harbor. Um, it also marked another day uh, that uh, we see a, a brand new season that has been implemented by the DEC that was codified in, in regulation and announced on September one. Uh, it's an antlerless-only season that began on the, the, the September 11th uh, uh, Remembrance Day. Uh, that was Saturday. Uh, and it's an antlerless-only season that you use uh, doe permits, which are DMPs, or Deer Management Assistance Permits, DMAPs, valid tags, this year's tags, in specific wildlife management areas. Uh, in, in about 10 or 12 uh, areas, you've, you're looking at uh, use of any uh, particular uh, hunting implement that you wish to choose, whether it be a firearm, any legal firearm, you know, be it a, a shotgun or a centerfire rifle, if those are permitted in the uh, regions that uh, are offering this hunt. Uh, you can also use uh, black powder rifles as well as uh, vertical bows and compound and crossbows. Uh, so you can, you know, have really basically any cho- choice that you want. Um, there are also four additional uh, wildlife management units that are archery only, and those are for vertical bows only, no crossbows. Um, but this is a nine-day season. It started on the 11th. It runs through the 19th, which is this coming Sunday. And the idea behind it is to start taking down these antlerless deer in these problematic wildlife management units. Uh, it, it was rolled out with a little bit of confusion, that's for sure. Uh, and there are some other things that uh, you know need to go along with this, uh, but we're going to cover that a little bit later on in the podcast, uh, just to give you some better understanding and better ideas and such um, uh, as to what's going on with that. Uh, so you can you can uh, take advantage of this particular uh, season much much more effectively. Uh, but it is here, uh, you know, some of the other changes that were made in this. Uh, uh, this package of regulatory changes that was codified on September 1. Uh, the two big changes statewide uh, include the change in big game uh, lawful hunting hours or the shooting hours, if you will, um, moving from sunrise to sunset to a half hour before sunrise to a half hour after sunset, and as well as a mandatory uh, hunter orange or hunter pink has to be worn while you're hunting with a firearm or accompanying someone who is hunting big game with a firearm. Again, that applies to big game, and it more is defined whether you have a firearm in your hand or a crossbow or a compound bow. 
Um, you know, those are the, the big changes that have happened this year. And, uh, you know, these are seen as positive. Uh, the mandatory orange was viewed as a compromise to get the, uh, the legal hunting hours, which adds a, an hour to the day, and it capitalizes on the prime times that deer are moving. Uh, the rest of the nation, the other 49 states that offer big game hunting, uh, have the same hunting hours, you know, half hour before sunrise to a half hour after sunset, or something similar to that definition. Uh, New York State was the only state in the Union that was uh, observing a sunrise to sunset, lawful shooting hours. That has now been changed, and we have joined the rest of the nation. Hey, hey, go figure. Um, in other news, Erie County, which is one of the last two counties in New York State, uh, you know, again, New York State joined the rest of the nation, or at least some or most of the nation, uh, in April of 2021, when in the budget, a measure to lower the hunting age for deer hunting with a firearm under supervision from 14 to age 12 uh, was passed in the, uh, the state budget on a very uh, overwhelming bipartisan fashion. Uh, however, it did come with a caveat that counties had to opt in, which, again, I, you know, I've been on record as saying that's a terrible, terrible, terrible precedence to set. Uh, nonetheless, that's what happened. Uh, it is a temporary measure that sunsets at the end of December 2023. So we've got a couple of seasons, I think a total of three seasons, that we're going to have 12 and 13-year-olds able to hunt deer, uh, not bear. So it doesn't encompass all a big game, but to hunt deer with a firearm, it's now a uniform age. And again, New York State was the the only state in the union that actually had a, a higher age for big game uh, hunting with firearms that at age 14. Most states have a universal hunting age of age 12 or lower. And there are some states that don't have a minimum age at all. They totally leave it up to the parents, which is what we want to see. Uh, Erie County actually held their vote on this local law after slow walking this through the entire spring and summer. Um, they took the vote on uh, September 9th, 2021, which was last Thursday, and the measure, the local law, did pass the legislature on a 6-5 to five vote, uh, which is significant in that, you know, you have uh, a legislature that's made up of seven Democrats and four Republicans. The minority uh, sponsored this bill and put it forward, and we had two Democrats join the minority to uh, pass this bill and send it on to the county executive for signature. So congratulations, Erie County Legislature. Thank you for that vote. And although it does not come in time uh, to allow uh, Erie County youths to hunt uh, this special season in Wildlife Management Unit 9F, as in Franklin, which is uh, the area in and around Clarence area in uh, Amherst, uh, Erie County, um, uh, near Amherst, uh, right on the border there in Erie County. Uh, it, it's too late for that, but we're hopeful that the county executive will sign this measure into law and submit it to the, the New York State Secretary of State. Once that's submitted to the Secretary of State, it does take effect, and we're hoping that happens before the Columbus Day uh, youth hunt uh, opportunity that is slated and coming up uh, during the, the archery season. Uh, that way we can get 12-year-olds and 13-year-olds in Erie County to actually hunt in their home county and not force them to drive to other counties so they can go ahead and hunt. Uh, it's an injustice right now that has happened. Um, you know, and this is again, it's it's motivated by the anti-gun uh, animal right wackos on the left uh, in the Democrat socialist uh, uh, part of this legislature. Uh, their objections really were unfounded. Uh, Twelve-year-olds have uh, been permitted to hunt with firearms under supervision for small game, for upland birds, for waterfowl, and for fur bearers for an awful long time in New York. It's not just suddenly putting a firearm in the hands of a 12-year-old. And no one is forcing anybody to hunt. This is something that the parents decide, and they ask their, their uh, uh, son or daughter whether or not they wish to hunt with mom and dad. And having that ability to uh, reach them at age 12, which they can hunt bear and deer with archery tackle at age 12 in New York State, um, but having this reduced down now to age 12 makes it a uniform uh, hunting age, and it empowers the, uh, the parents to go ahead and get their kids involved as early as possible, which is a great thing, and uh, it embarks you on the conservation stewardship uh, path for life, and the earlier that's done, we have seen that as, as, uh, as a positive thing. Uh, 
interestingly enough, during COVID, 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 you know, while some on the uh, on the left like to claim that uh, hunting is a dying tradition, it actually isn't. Uh, over the last several years, we've seen modest growth in uh, hunting license sales across New York State and indeed the nation. It appears to be a cyclical thing. And uh, last year during COVID, 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 the uh, big game hunting licenses uh, grew in New York by 7%, with the largest user group or the largest hunting group uh, being 14 and 15 year olds, showing a 23% increase in licenses sold to those youth. We get the 12 year olds on board with this, uh, with, with firearms hunting for deer, and that's going to grow even further as parents are looking for things to do with their with their children and this is something that is a family friendly wholesome approach that helps give back while putting food on the table and uh, you know i've heard that that uh, parents would prefer to hunt with their kids than hunt for them which is so true and you know when you when you learn how to become a hunter and you learn how to handle firearms you enter into the young adulthood uh, a lot quicker than someone who is not trusted with adult responsibilities. And, uh, you know, we're hopeful that the county executive will sign this one pretty quick. Um, he's got to actually set up his own public hearing. And uh, I've already sent my communication out to the uh, county executive, urging him to do this in a speedy fashion. Uh, and, you know, hopefully the sportsmen and women of Erie County will follow suit get this one done and uh, make sure that the kids of Erie County join the rest of the state that have passed this. And the only other county that's out there that has yet to pass that measure is Rockland County, from the best of my knowledge, which is right next door to Westchester County, which is really an extension of downstate. So Erie County really is the last uh, county in upstate New York to pass this, despite the fact that they sell more hunting and fishing licenses than any other county in the state. It's an absolute uh, travesty, but this is what happens when you have uh, defund the police, uh, anti-gun, um, uh, liberal Democrats, socialist Democrats running the show. Uh, folks, you need to remember this and vote accordingly, um, when, you know, come election day. In any event, uh, once it is uh, approved, you know, and again, there's, there's a, a process that is in play here. Um, there has to be a public hearing held. And the, the hearing can be within 10 days after the local law has been presented to him or her, um, or it can be held within 20 days, and it must be held by 20 days after. So, you know, it, it, it can happen as quickly as five days after, and it, it, it has, as long as 20 days after. If they slow walk this, um, we're going to miss that youth hunt, which would be an absolute travesty and warranting every Democrat in the county being uh, thrown out of office. So... Uh, we've got that to consider, etc., and uh, and hopefully uh, uh, we'll be able to you know, increase the uh, participation within the Erie County sportsmen and women's ranks. So um, you know, it, it's just uh, it's sad that the apathy that that happened uh, from from May through uh, July was what it was, uh, but we are moving forward on that. And I have heard through the grapevine that uh, the DEC commissioner uh, may be calling the uh, Erie County Executive to fast-track this and to see if he can put pressure on as well. So if that does happen, thank you, Mr. Sagos, Commissioner Sagos, for your help. Uh, that's awesome. Uh, in national news, uh, we've got a few things that are happening here. Number one, uh, good news for Second Amendment rights. The uh, president, in name only, Joe Biden, has withdrawn his nominee to head the uh, Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms, and commonly known as the ATF. David Chipman, a known and active anti-gun activist after aggressive opposition from a unified GOP in the Senate, while several Democrats also had little uh, support for this nominee, although not publicly stating that opposition, uh, this nomination has been uh, uh, withdrawn. And, uh, you know, uh, Senator Chuck Grassley, the Senate Judiciary ranking member, um, it mentioned that Mr. Chipman's long record as a partisan Second Amendment, anti-Second Amendment activist raised plenty of concerns about how he'd administer federal firearms law, uh, but that wasn't the only cause for concern. Uh, the record he concealed from Congress, some of which remains hidden to this day, about how he treated his fellow employees while at the ATF confirms his lack of fitness to uh, lead the agency. So, folks, at least that's some good news there. 
And, uh, you know, we got uh, our first break of the day coming up, as you can hear that music playing. But, folks, don't go anywhere because we love outdoors. We'll be right back after this short break. Welcome back, uh, sportsmen and women and conservationists across New York State and the Fruited Plain, the We Love Outdoors. Uh, the fastest podcast in podcast history has got its first segment in the can. And uh, we're now moving on to the second segment of this episode. Welcome back, folks. Thanks for joining us and thanks for sticking around. Um, you know, I just wanted to touch base a little bit on that uh, withdrawal of Dave and Chip into, uh, uh, as the nominee to head the ATF. This is the second Biden nominee that has had to be withdrawn from consideration. Um, the White House withdrew its nomination of Tira Tandon uh, to run the Office of Management and Budget earlier this year after Senator Joe Manchin, the Democrat from West Virginia, announced his opposition of her uh, over her controversial Twitter history. Uh, you know, so this is not the first one to fall. Uh, his uh, poll numbers are dropping. The Biden administration's poll numbers are dropping like a like a Led Zeppelin, if you will. And uh, it's just dropping and dropping and dropping. And he's in a free fall right now, folks. And that's not really surprising. Uh, another little bit of news. I want everybody to mark their calendars because uh, September 25th, 2021, which is a Saturday, is National Hunting and Fishing Day. This is the 50th anniversary of this special day of recognition uh, established by Congress back in 1971, recognizing the importance of hunting and fishing and shooting sports to the wildlife conservation of our nation's uh, wild treasures. Um, you know, Jack Kemp, the former uh, Buffalo Bills uh, uh, cat, yeah, quarterback and uh, congressional uh, member, uh, he was uh, instrumental in getting this done. So there are uh, Western New York ties to National Hunting and Fishing Day. And on September 25th, the Erie County Federation of Sportsmen's Clubs will be holding their annual event, their annual celebration at Elma Conservation Club, which is located on 600 Creek Road in the town of Elma. This event begins at 10 a.m. and runs through 4 p.m., rain or shine, and it's free for everyone to attend. You can stay the entire day. Uh, we'll have a lot of hands-on learning for archery and crossbow, uh, air rifle marksmanship. Those are open for anyone of any age, so long as uh, your parents allow uh, your, you, you to do so. Even the parents can pick that up. And for kids that are age 12 and up, and uh, you know, kids at heart, even all the way up to 90, they can actually uh, learn how to trap shoot under supervision of uh, certified instructors as well. Um, lots of information concerning deer hunting and turkey hunting, Great Lakes fishing, fly fishing, trapping, etc., as well as uh, reducing your exposure to Lyme disease and ticks. Uh, how to keep that done. Those seminars are going to be there. Uh, so hopefully you'll mark your calendars, come on out and join the Erie County Federation of Sportsmen's Clubs. Or if you know, you're not located in Erie County, uh, take a quick look at nhfday.org. That's the, uh, the website for National Hunting and Fishing Day. And, uh, or check your New York Outdoor News if you're in New York State specifically. And uh, several uh, uh, organizations are holding these uh, celebrations across the state, either on Saturday or taking the entire weekend, uh, as is the case with the uh, Wonders of Wildlife uh, celebration up at the uh, Niagara Power Project, which is held uh, each year up there. You know, they celebrate the Wonders of Wildlife. Uh, the only things they don't promote are, are, are hunting and shooting, and uh, which doesn't make sense, but uh, it is what it is. That's a great event, too. Uh, come join us. See the D New York State DEC. They're going to be showing up out at Alma Conservation to provide a lot of different information on uh, deer management, uh, get you some information on the uh, latest regulation changes, etc. It's a great event. Hope to see everybody out there. Okay, we've got some uh, other information that I want to update you on. Uh, the uh, 
epizootic hemorrhagic disease outbreak in New York State among the deer herd, uh, known as EHD, continues to crop up in New York, which is not unexpected. This is the time of year that the biting midge flies from the Cuculios, uh, uh, uh family or genus, rather. Uh, these things emerge this time of year. Uh, in order for the deer to be infected by this virus, um, you know, they have to be bitten by these midge flies. So it, it, when the midge flies hatch and there happen to be deer congregating near them and the midge flies bite uh, the deer, that's when the, the virus transmits from the fly to the deer. It's not something that is transmitted deer to deer communally. Um, so that's good news. But, you know, you have pockets of these uh, this disease pop up uh, virtually every year since we first started seeing them. I believe it was in 2009. Um but thus far, it appeared to be limited to a few counties, mainly Dutchess and Ulcer County in Region 9. And now we're starting to receive some reports of uh, EHD-afflicted deer being discovered, uh, showing signs, you know, that the, the swollen black tongue, etc., uh, blood coming out of the nose from the internal hemorrhaging uh, over in Region 7 in Oswego County. And there were a couple of confirmed cases of EHD out there, according to Cornell. Um, but it does seem, again, to be limited. And, uh, you know, it, it doesn't look like it's something that is of great concern at this point in time. Uh, we're all hoping for an early frost or at least a frost to come in very soon uh, because that will end the outbreaks. Uh, you know, but we, again, we're, we're, we're looking into this, uh, you know, obviously there is monitoring, the sportsmen are watching for it, DEC is asking the sportsmen and women to, uh, you know, report any discoveries or any, any suspicious, uh, potentials of EHD, uh, uh deer that have been encountered. Uh, in addition to that, uh, you know, we can expect chronic wasting disease monitoring and surveillance to increase in Region 9 along the Chautauqua County, Cattaraugus County, Pennsylvania border after the discovery of chronic wasting disease in a wildlife rehabilitator in Warren, Pennsylvania. Um, you know, it is a captive deer. It was behind uh, offenses. It was not running wild. Um, but nonetheless, uh, with this discovery comes enhanced and increased surveillance. So there will be more sampling this year during the hunting season in Chautauqua and Cattaraugus counties. And the New York State DEC is now working with the Seneca Nation of Indians down in their Cattaraugus County area to also get them up to speed with uh, doing some chronic wasting disease surveillance on the reservation lands where the DEC doesn't have any jurisdiction. Um, that is, uh, they're working together and training these uh, Seneca Nation officials to uh, better close this hole in the, uh, the surveillance of chronic wasting disease for the deer herd. So that's good news. Um, again, they haven't detected in New York uh, any chronic wasting disease since that 2006 detection over in Oneida County, uh, which uh, really dealt with a, uh, a couple of game farms that were also rehabilitating some, uh, some uh, injured deer. And uh, they were predominantly cap captive deer uh, that this was found in, and they haven't found any instances since. Uh, so that's always good news, but eyes wide open on this, uh, you know, very damaging uh, disease that's caused by malformed proteins known as prions. Uh, it's not a bacteria. It's not a virus. Um, it's a it's a protein, uh, malformed protein uh, uh, malady that, uh, you know, once that malformed protein is in integrated and incorporated into cellular reproduction uh, you know those cells start to form uh, with defectiveness and uh, that creates that spongiform encephalitis in the brain so you know we're hoping to, to mark that uh, in other news we did have uh, on uh, 9 8 a roundup a post-convention roundup meeting held by the new york state conservation council uh, it was done via Zoom, which, uh, you know, that, that particular platform has been a godsend to keep the council running uh, in the face of COVID, COVID, COVID. Um, and uh, some of the details uh, from this, uh, this meeting, uh, officials' position statements were uh, voted upon um, concerning the two resolutions that both passed the Conservation Council and now become policy. 
so both uh, policy statements and position statements were voted on, including the uh, seeking of a permanent moratorium on offshore wind turbine development in the Great Lakes waters in New York State, as well as to seek and pursue legislation or regulation that implements a permanent moratorium on offshore wind development across all five Great Lakes. They were pursuing that federally as well. Uh, the other uh, uh, resolution that passed was from Seneca County, and this one dealt with creating a training program for guides and charter captains that get involved with wounded warrior programs so you can work with and, and be trained better trained in in dealing with mobility challenges from from wounded and disabled veterans uh, dealing with post-traumatic stress disorder as well as the potential of discovering maybe some suicidal thoughts and uh, prevention so it's not something that is going to cost the guides and charter captains any additional money it will be free of charge it is also not going to be a requirement uh, but it is good to have additional education to assure that your clients and, and these wounded veterans have the best experience possible uh, that was excellent uh, in, in addition, there were some uh, uh, resolutions from 2016 that appeared to be omitted from the statements that are published on the New York State Conservation Council's website, nyscc.com, and those from 2016 were revisited, and uh, position statements were all approved by the board. Those two will be published up on the uh, website and uh, you know, one of those did include pursuing the legislation to repeal the prohibition on big game hunting in wildlife management unit 9C, which would then open the door to suburban and urban deer management that gets away from having to pay either uh, police uh, officers overtime to do bait and shoots and fill DDP or having uh, municipalities hire sharpshooters such as uh, organizations like White Buffalo, which is very costly can't be done all the time and actually works as a detriment to uh, the lands and to the deer themselves. Uh, so that was all a great idea. Uh, those are all now uh, published and, uh, and, and revisited and once again the New York State Conservation Council is tasked to get to work on those. That's great news. Uh, in addition to that, it looks like there's going to be a golf outing that will be held next summer uh, for the New York State Conservation Council. Details are still being hammered out, but it does look like a, a charity golf outing to benefit the council will be happening in Seneca Falls, New York, which is in the Finger Lakes region, kind of centrally located for everybody, you know, east and west to uh, con convene on this area. It looks like it'll be held at the Seneca Falls Country Club, and, uh, you know, details in terms of prices for uh, a per foursome, as well as whole sponsorships that clubs and uh, organizations uh, can take advantage of to uh, help uh, raise money for the Conservation Council. Uh, that's all coming up. That's great news. And once we start hearing uh, about that, uh, more details, we will certainly give that to you. So all the clubs and such can, uh, you know, decide to participate and support this excellent idea of a fundraiser. Uh, uh, the meetings for uh, 2022 will also be uh, forthcoming. Uh, one of the things that we're going to be chewing upon is the uh, the spring committee hearing meetings that we have, uh, usually held in Herkimer uh, at Herkimer Community College. Uh, we do want to do something that is either hybrid or more likely for that particular meeting, considering that we don't know about COVID, COVID, COVID rules. There is uh, uh, some rumblings that we may see some more uh, rules try to be put, foisted upon us by Albany as Governor Hochul uh, wants to follow in Hansy Andy's footsteps. Uh, with the type of power that he was wielding. However, those emergency powers have been stripped. She doesn't have them, and she's already crying about, well, if I had those powers, we would be doing a better job. No, you wouldn't. The job that was done to begin with was a failure. The epidemic curves prove it, and, uh, you know, trying to embrace tyranny is not a good look in your first couple months uh, in office as governor, uh, Ms. Hochul. So try to uh, avoid that, please. Um, Nevertheless, one of the challenges with the spring meeting is the committee breakouts that happen during the morning. And uh, if we're doing this virtually, uh, we have to figure out a way to do that because right now the council has one Zoom license and we would need multiple licenses if we were going to hold these on the same day. 
uh, but we could always stagger the committee meetings uh, to happen, uh, you know, the week leading up to uh, the full meeting that would uh, happen sometime in mid-April. Uh, board meetings are also being scheduled, so, you know, we can keep up to date on the goings-on, and, uh, you know, most of those are going to be held virtually, and come next uh, convention, it looks like we're going to be following some sort of a uh, rotation, so we will keep you updated as to when and where that convention is going to be. Well, folks, another segment is in the can. You hear that music? That's right. i got to take another break. Our second segment of the day is in the can. We're going to take a quick break, but don't go anywhere because we love outdoors with Rich Davenport. I'll be right back. Welcome back, sportsmen and women and conservationists across New York State and the Fruited Plain to We Love Outdoors with Rich Davenport, coming to you on Spotify and Google Podcasts and Apple Podcasts and really anywhere you get your podcasts. Uh, welcome back to the third segment of We Love Outdoors for this day, September 13th. Um, and it's nice and sunny here in sunny Tundawanda, New York. Ah, you know, we've, we've got a, a, a few other updates to give you here, um, and I want to focus on uh, some of the things that are still kind of up in the air concerning the September season, because, you know, the sportsmen and women, uh, when we heard that the regulations were going to be uh, forthcoming back on uh, August 28th, uh, this particular September season, it was thought that it might not happen uh, due to the timing and, and uh, you know, regulatory codification and the time needed for that. And then a few days later on September 1st, it was announced that uh, this special antlerless-only season for select wildlife management units uh, was indeed going to happen this year. Uh, so, you know, that is really good, but there were a couple of things that kind of were left hanging, and we've done some work to try to get this information out to everybody. Hopefully it'll be up on uh, the various Federation websites, the Conservation Council website, to give people information. Uh, the first one, uh, especially in Region 9, is I was asked uh, starting Thursday and Friday, uh, leading up to the opening day of this uh, special nine-day season, where can you get your deer processed? That is a great question because, you know, right now, many of the deer processors who also, you know, are butchering cattle and hogs at this time of year during the harvest, uh, you know, they do this to, to make additional money when that, um, that fall season of butchering cattle and hogs and such um, tapers down. And once that's done, then the deer season really picks up and they offer the butchering of deer to carry them through and it you know rolls right through the uh you know into december but you know no one really put a lot of thought into gee are there going to be uh any processors that can even handle taking uh deer on behalf of the hunters or a hunter's going to have to process their own during this special nine day season uh so you know i reached out to several processors in our area and in Region 9, uh, the processors that are located close to Wildlife Management Units 9A and 9F, those are the two uh, units that are allowing this special antlerless-only hunt. Um, the Buck and Doe Shop, which is located on Sheridan Drive, just east of Transit Road in Williamsville, they are taking uh, uh, deer, you know, they'll take as many as you bring them. Um, if they're not at the shop, uh, they do have a phone number on the door, and you can call that number, and uh, someone will be there to, to help uh, take and accept that deer and get that ball rolling to get it, to get it processed for you. Uh, it's also been announced that the mobile processing service known as the Deer Guy 
Uh, they're located in Tonawanda, New York. They are also operating full bore, uh, but they do request that you reach out and call them uh, before you drag your deer out of the woods. Uh, you know, this is something that uh, they're trying to, you know, with, with the warmer temperatures, obviously trying to get to as many deer as they can, get them processed and avoid spoilage. Uh, their phone number is 716-239-1964. Again, they're located out of Tonawanda, and they'll drive to you. They'll either process it right there, or they'll pick up your deer and take it back to their shop. Um, you know, it's a, gr a great service that has uh, just come into its own recently, um, so that's available. Um, also in Region 8, Flatlander Farms Custom Deer Processing in Kent, New York, are, they're accepting deer as well, but it's by appointment only. Uh, their main number is 585-721-0335, uh, and you may get uh, uh, referred to another phone number if you call that to, to the, uh, the main butcher to let you know, because he, he's going to kind of keep his uh, 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 work schedule. He's, he's maintaining that himself. So they are looking uh, to have you set up an appointment to drop the deer off. They are not accepting any donations for the Venison Donation Coalition during this early season. They just don't have the cooler space. They are uh, processing, uh, you know, cattle and hogs. So, you know, it is limited. But, you know, those are the, the people that you can go ahead and contact uh, the rest of the, the processors that are out there aren't accepting any animals until October 1st opening of early archery. Uh, some are also uh, considering not being open for that holiday deer hunt. That's the period between uh, December 26th to January 1. Um, that's still being discussed, uh, but some processors are just, they're going to close up at the end of the, the, the typical uh, muzzleloader season uh, because it's just not worth paying people for the number of animals that may be uh, brought in for butchering. Uh, in that vein, you know, we also have uh, the warmer than normal uh, weather right now, and preserving your game is really something that has to be discussed. It's very easy to do, uh, but really, if it's going to take you some time from getting your animal from the field to the processor, and it's 70 or 80 degrees out, spoilage can happen pretty quickly. Uh, your best way to handle this, uh, you can either debone the animal and take the meat off the bone in the field, uh, but you better have coolers with you. Uh, that's also known as hot boning, and there are several YouTube videos that are out there to show you how to do that. Uh, but the other way you can take care of that uh, harvest is to cool your, your uh, harvest as quickly as possible. The best way to do that is to get 20-pound bags of ice and pack the body cavity. You can leave the ice, especially it's preferred, you leave the ice in the bag. It keeps the cleanup to a minimum. Uh, but you pack that body cavity with either a, you know 20 pounds or more. Get it fully packed. Pack it up tight. Maybe put some bags of ice on the hindquarters and then wrap that uh, carcass in an old blanket. A wool blanket works great, but any blanket will do. That'll help keep the cooling uh, effect of the ice in and focused on the carcass to reduce that temperature while also helping to keep any flies off the carcass itself. Uh, it's easy to do. Uh, it, I would recommend if you're going out hunting and you know it's going to be very warm that you bring a cooler and you purchase that ice in advance. Uh, that way when you get that animal out of the woods, you can immediately start icing it down. Uh, and that'll uh, you know really keep your, your deer as fresh as possible. Uh, that information is also going to be posted up on various sportsmen's websites just to keep you informed that's part of the job of the organized sportsmen and women hopefully that'll be done uh, erie county federation is working on that to get that web page up uh, the new york state conservation council is working on that as well uh, you can see some uh, uh, facebook pages uh, western new york hunting uh, and fishing uh, that page uh, the hunter educators of new york their page is putting up a lot of good information avail yourself to this stuff folks it, it can only help you out and it'll reduce the uh, the waste that may happen due to spoilage during this early season. Uh, you know, obviously we want to we use as much of the deer as possible, and it's a good thing, you know, to, to, to know what to do here. Um, uh, some other uh, information that we've got, again, with the, uh, with the uh, Hunter Orange and the shooting hours. I want to talk about the shooting hours first because now you're going to have to do a little bit of math. Uh, the New York State DEC, and that's not the only resource out there, but I'm mentioning the DEC because they do have sunrise and sunset tables 
on their website to allow you to figure out when your lawful hunting hours and shooting hours are. Um, that website address is https colon forward slash forward slash www.dec.ny.gov forward slash outdoor forward slash 111994.html. This presents you a, 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 a graphic representation of New York State and it has several uh, latitude lines that are, are laid out. Uh, with you know different colors, there's uh, the blue lines, I believe it is, and there's also an orange line. The orange line cuts down through Albany. That is the zero hour. Okay, so if you move east or west of that zero hour line, you're going to be either adding or subtracting time to determine the exact sunrise or sunset for that given area. Uh, since we're in Region Nine. Uh, you know, you go and start traveling west, you're going to add time, and each line on that, that map adds three minutes to the sunset. So, uh, you know, the, the furthest west you go over into Chautauqua County and uh, near the Lake Erie uh, 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 watershed, uh, you're going to add 24 minutes to the sunrise time that's published in Albany. So, it, for example, uh, if you have a sunrise time, you know, September 14th, which is tomorrow, the sunrise time um, is going to be 6.34 a.m. and sunset of 7.05 p.m., which is based on Albany time. So you're going to add 21 minutes if you're hunting Cambria, for instance. That's a 21-minute addition. So the sunrise in Cambria on the, 20, on the 14th, which is this Tuesday, tomorrow, is actually going to be 6.55 a.m. Add 21 minutes. And sunset is at 7.26 p.m. Add 21 minutes. Then you're going to have to do some math, okay? The legal shooting hours then from 6.55, subtract 30 minutes, and Cambria is going to be from 6.25 a.m., add 30 minutes on to the sunset time of 7.26, uh, and you're looking at 7.56 p.m. So that is your big game lawful shooting hours in Cambria, as an example, 6.25 to 7.56 that is for Tuesday. These hours change. Um, in Steuben County, it would be uh, 619 to 750 as you're only adding 18 minutes of time, um, or actually 15 minutes of time for Steuben County. Uh, in, in Chautauqua County, you add 24 minutes uh, to that uh, sunrise and sunset time. So, you know, you're looking at, uh, uh, you know, 658 and uh, 729 as your sunrise and sunset times for tomorrow. Uh, you know, these, this is going to be, you know, found on, obviously, the DEC website, but there are also going to be links that are going to happen on uh, various club sites, federation sites, Facebook books, Facebook group pages, etc. Do your math, print these out. It's a little bit different. It's not just figuring out sunrise and sunset 30 minutes before and 30 minutes after. But again, I want to stress that you need to use your best judgment. Uh, you know, diminished and low light periods are tricky. If you can't identify successfully that, you know, what that animal is, even though it may fall into what looks like a lawful shooting hour, because, you know, you look, if you're in the woods, you've got, you know, light penetration issues to begin with. It's going to be darker in the woods than in the fields, even as the, the daylight hours are brightening. So use your best judgment. You don't have to take that shot exactly 30 minutes before sunrise. Take your time and make sure you're safe. That is, you know, you've got to know what's around you, what's beyond the target, and, you know, just because you've got a little bit extra time doesn't mean you have to stretch it and shoot during that period of time. Take a breath, you know, avoid the temptation of taking that shot just because you can. Again, a safe shot is what we're looking for. We want safety first out there. You've got plenty of time during the season. Uh, you know, we've got the nine-day season going on right now in specific areas for antlerless. Then starting October 1st in the southern zone, we can have at it right through middle of December. Then we take a little bit of a break, and we've got another, you know, eight days or so uh, after Christmas. we got plenty of time out there. You don't have to rush that shot. Uh, so, you know, be aware of that. And again, with your Hunter Orange, 
you want to make sure that you are wearing that this year. It is now uh, mandatory. It is not uh, something that is uh, that you can just say, well, I'm going to choose to like you can in the past. This was the compromise that was done between um, you know, big game hunters and the wildlife managers and hunters, Ed, concerned about safety. So you got to go with it. Well, folks, you hear that music? That's right. The fastest podcast in history is taking one final break for the day. But don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with We Love Outdoors with Rich Davenport. Stick around. Welcome back, sportsmen and women and conservationists across New York State and the Fruited Plain to the final segment of We Love Outdoors with Rich Davenport for today. I am Rich Davenport coming to you from sunny Tundawanda, New York. And, uh, you know, just for this final segment, you know, there's a lot of things that are going on. Uh, you know, it's such as last week in a major effort to distract Americans and the news media from the utter failure in Afghanistan, President Naimoni Biden decided to double down on ignoring science while claiming to be following it, ordering a vaccine mandate for all federal employees and also any businesses that employ 100 or more people using OSHA to enforce this illegal mandate. Uh, you know, he came out last week to put that out there in the face of, you know, escalating cases of Delta, Mu, Gamma Xi, whatever uh, strain of the day it is. Um, lawsuits have already been filed. This is a clear violation of the Tenth Amendment of the U.S. Constitution. It looks like a violation of the Ninth Amendment as well. And uh, you know, Democrats don't care. They don't. They don't look at constitutionality as their job. They let the courts figure it out. They're just going to push their nonsense. And that's what they do. They've been doing this for decades, folks. Uh, that's why you got to vote them out. Um, but the lawsuits have already been filed. And the politic- politicization of this virus, which is one of the most shameful episodes in American history, uh, continues to be put on full display by the Democrat Party. Um, you know, saying that uh, you know red states aren't vaccinating and blue states aren't doing this and blah 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 blah. It's all nonsense and it's all to capitalize upon your fear and try to distract you from the absolute incompetence that uh, government has had in trying to uh, manage this uh, very non-dangerous um, epidemic, as it turns out when we look at the data. Um, you also have a lot of things that are going on. You know, we we see this, you know, testing, testing, testing. Testing is not done for diagnostics, folks. The RT-PCR test is notoriously inaccurate. Uh, it comes with a, a lot of high false negatives that prompted the Annals of Internal Medicine to advise their members not to use the results of the RT-PCR test for diagnostic purposes. It can be used to assist in determining a diagnosis but it has to go in conjunction with other clinical observations and metabolic uh, examinations. You know, if you've got a fever, if you're exhibiting some of these uh, symptoms, uh, you know, you're, you've got uh, you know, bad sinuses, you're wheezing, you're choking, etc. you lose your sense of smell, um, you know, that could be COVID. And then with the test coming back saying, yeah, it is positive, that it looks like you got COVID, combine that together, that's how you diagnose. And now the politicians are basically using an unreliable test to be that diagnostic, uh, even demanding so much as weekly tests from folks who are unvaccinated, while not following the science that those people who have recovered naturally from uh, SARS-2 are the ones that have the most uh, effective and long-lasting robust immunity. It's absolutely breathtaking. They must not know how a vaccine works because a vaccine acts just like the virus, only it doesn't give you the sick. You catch the virus, your body responds by creating antibodies. That's what your immune system does. 
In fact, most cures to a lot of illnesses aren't found in the drugs that we take. Those uh, make the symptoms manageable and make the symptoms uh, less uh, damaging and less problematic until your own immune system develops the antibodies to take care of that illness. That's most of medicine, folks, including vaccines. 100% of vaccines out there, they're not therapeutic. They don't do anything to treat the disease. What it does is gives your immune system a leg up in developing the immunities without the bad symptoms of the disease. But if you caught the virus and you got over it, that's the same thing, except with the actual virus, instead of a fake virus or a denatured virus, an inert virus, your immune system responds in a much more robust fashion. That's true across the board. And that's actually even true with all the doggies and kitties that get their vaccines from the vet as well. So, you know, science has been uh, sacrificed for the uh, sake of an agenda and tyranny. And we have, uh, you know, just all over the place. Uh, you know, another area of uh, problem that we see here with science being pushed aside has been the clean green movement and global warming climate change. You know, we need wind, windmills and we need uh, solar panels and we need all this green energy because we're killing the planet with plant food. Um, you know, California has led the way. People have known, uh, you know, for a long time that, you know, California and their folly in pursuing wind turbines and industrial solar arrays that their electrical grid has become unstable and unreliable. Uh, this has prompted the, the now common practice, that new reality for electrical customers in uh, California to be foisted with uh, rolling blackouts when high demand periods happen and there's no wind blowing or the sun isn't shining. And they have to take down that demand by implementing rolling blackouts. Otherwise, you know, large sections of the grid or maybe the entire grid in California would experience a brownout, which would have a deleterious ripple effect on the western electrical grid as they are part of a larger grid. So just recently, the uh, governor of California, the, the moonbat Gavin Newsom, who is under uh, a recall effort right now, and that recall vote happens tomorrow. Folks, you can take your state back from utter lunacy by getting rid of Gavin Newsom, who has been a scourge on everybody in California since he took office, living in his own delusional fantasy land. Um, he just recently declared an electrical energy emergency in California. See, with all this pursuit of, of wind turbines and closing down coal plants and natural gas plants and shutting down nuclear plants in favor of unreliable, uh, unpredictable wind and solar, they are now facing an energy emergency in California with a power deficit um, versus their actual load of 3,500 megawatts. Sounds like New York. New York's you know, importing 3,500 to 5,000 megawatts a day because we're pushing the same folly. But now in California, because they're not blessed with a lot of hydropower like we are, they're really having problems. So much so that the California Energy Commission is now issuing permits to any gas generation project of 10 megawatts or more just to close this power deficit and try to keep the lights on. Isn't that amazing? You add to that the demand from these mandated electric cars that are unreliable as well, that are wicked expensive, and they are not even anywhere close to being as clean and as green as a fuel-efficient combustion engine uh, vehicle of today, you've got a problem. That is absolutely incredible. So, you know, the chickens coming home to roost, people wake up. Don't listen to the flowery words. Look at the results. Their results are an abject failure. And now, of course, with the stupidity of the Biden administration earlier this year, shutting down the Keystone Pipeline and canceling federal leases for oil and gas companies, now our supply of natural gas is lower. Demand is increasing. So now we've got increased energy costs brought to you by the sniffer Biden. Congratulations, Democrats. You've done that as well. Not only contributing to the massive inflation that we are seeing just because of increased costs of shipping, but now the heating season for natural gas and heating oil is going to be through the roof this year because our own president crippled our domestic energy production. 
that is absolutely a disservice and uh, it's something that an enemy of America would do to the American people. And that's what the Democrats have done, folks. They're living it. And they, they think there's no problem because, you know, they don't pay for anything themselves. Everything that they pay for is paid for by you and me out of our tax dollars. And, you know, it's, it's just incredible. They're so disconnected with reality. But that's what's going on. And we also have another one um, out in the uh, Atlantic Ocean with this push for uh, offshore wind energy, which is going to be an absolute debacle. Uh, there is, is more resistance being pushed back uh, from the fishermen, uh, the commercial anglers out in, in the commercial fishermen, the trawl nets, etc., uh, out in the Atlantic. Uh, as more and more uh, lease space is, is trying to be uh, done in the New York Bight, one of the most uh, productive fishing grounds in the uh, North Atlantic and in the Atlantic Ocean in our area, uh, you know, there is now another wind project out there that wants to utilize a high voltage direct current transmission line, which is going to require a massive cooling system to keep that cable from melting. See, there are problems that we learned uh, back at the turn of the 20th century between the chase for electrical energy between Nikolai Tesla and Thomas Edison. Thomas Edison was the champion of direct current and he lost because you can't transmit direct current safely and efficiently across distance that's the that's the cycling uh, transmission that's alternating current that Nikolai Tesla proved uh, you get high high heat that is very very dangerous you have to you know, send this electrical energy across massive massive uh, uh, electrical lines instead of smaller footprint lines and you know that that heat reduces the lifespan of that material versus you know electrical energy pushed uh, in an alternating current 60 hertz cycle that you know allows that transmission to happen more efficiently with a lot less heat with a lot less problems and uh, it can go farther it can go more reliably but of course if you have any kind of water contamination within a conduit that's running an alternating current transmission line that's going to cause problems with transmission something that direct current will handle a little bit better so you know but it comes with a whole bunch of other stuff so now in addition to all that low frequency noise and the uh and the uh the physical displacement of currents and such um and now you're going to have to cool using the ocean water and discharging warmer water which is a big problem with you know claimed by the uh the greenies from coal plants and, and nuclear plants all oh, the warm water discharge is killing all the plants and killing all the fish so now they're going to do it for their green uh, uh, wind turbines uh, for a high-voltage uh, direct current uh, transmission line. And they're saying, well, it's okay because we're saving the planet. Baloney. There is no science that says the planet has a problem. And there certainly is no proof whatsoever, even in the greatest realms of make-believe and in the fairy tale books from Disney World, that shows that any of these things will help to save the planet. It's an absolute lie. And now we're even seeing the economics, so no green jobs are happening because the, the, the stuff doesn't work. Uh, they're all temporary construction jobs, and then you get two or three people that monitor, and, um, you know, that's the trade-off for our uh, destruction of our natural resources, folks. You can't make this stuff up. It is uh, uh, disturbing, to say the least, that people have been fooled by folks who are just using the rhetoric of, don't question us, we're scientists, when science itself is the essence of interrogating to find out what is. See, that's how they're shutting you down, and then they're not following science, they're following an agenda, and they basically stick somebody with a white lab coat out there to give you a bunch of hogwash that can't be uh, you know, confirmed, it can't even be alluded to scientifically, but then when you question and you ask to see the data, what, don't you believe in science? You must be a bad person because you don't believe in science. And after all, science is the, you know, Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny and the Tooth Fairy all rolled up into one, right? No. Ask questions, folks. Because of the bunk science that's going on, California is now in dire straits with their electrical energy, something that requires 24-7, 365 generation to meet all the time the demand that's out there, the load that's out there with production. Otherwise, you got nothing. 
and uh, they're finding that out. All those forest fires that they've had have come from lack of forest management, not climate change, and old age transmission lines running through these forests that are held by PG&E that are arcing and causing fires. But they don't want you to know that. They want to distract you with more COVID, COVID, COVID rules and, uh, you know, all this other nonsense that they're pushing. So, folks, be aware, be aware, and push back. It's time to get active and it's time to get involved. We want our natural resources to be healthy and happy, and that's what we want to push for. We have to use sound science and sound conservation principles, and those are the last things these people are actually using. Well, folks... You hear that music? That's going to do it for this episode of We Love Outdoors with Rich Davenport. But don't worry about a thing because I'm going to be back with you. Same bat time, same bat channel next week. Hope to look forward to seeing you then.